And so tonight, we get to hear from our own Pastor Brent Locker. I'm going to actually try to come out in here and be with you all more because I realized right in the middle is like a dark spot. You either have to be way up here or way down here. So I want to be out here with you all. Oh, is that cool? All right. All y'all. Uh, one second. I have to get something. Oh, there we go. Okay. We're going to pray together. Papa, thank you for the tenderness of your heart for each one of us. As your, as your sons, as your daughters, as your chosen ones, your, the ones you delight in. And, and Father, I'm asking, even as, as Catherine prophesied at the beginning after worship, uh, that, that you would tenderize our hearts. You would uh, keep our hearts nice and soft and pliable. And uh, Lord, that means that... that uh, that means that it hurts sometimes when we when we don't harden our hearts. Um, means that we have to feel things, both the ups and the downs of life, in order to experience you in the midst of them. But Lord, thank you that that's your plan. That it's so much better than than closing up like a like a sea anemone that gets poked one time too many. Uh, God, we want to be that that flower that opens up and that just follows the light, uh, which is you everywhere you go. Uh, Father, I, I ask tonight, because I don't have the capacity to to change a heart. I can't do that. That's your that's your role, and so I'm asking God that you would touch and and change and and minister deeply, touch deeply every heart in this room, every person who came in here, whether they need encouragement or hope or certainty of your of your affection, your love, whatever it is, healing, whatever they need, Father. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, that you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're, um, we're going to look at this, this man called Jesus. <laughs> He's just a great one to look at. <laughs> we could just stop right here and kind of look at him for a while. That would, that would be good. Um, and I want to talk about Jesus as... God's son. And and that term is used so often, you know, Jesus, son of God. Yep, yep, he is. Yeah, but he's a son. He's he's the father's boy, his his the one that, that Papa's proud of. And um, I want to tell you before I go on, I want to tell you something. This was this was uh, on the blasphemous side as far as the the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders. You call yourself God's son. See, we're on this side of the cross going, of course he's God's son. For God so loved the world, right? We can all quote the verse. But, he, but, but the religious leaders are saying, how dare you? Well, you know, this is, this is blasphemous. Nobody's God's actual child. And Jesus says, oh, sure I am. And so are you. I'm going to go ahead and live it out for you first so that you have an idea of what it is to be a, a son who is loved. And... Um, I, I, we're going to later on use some of his own words to talk about just, just how real this is that each one of you in this room is a son or a daughter. Um, but first we're going to look at, look at, we're going to look at Jesus and I'm going to also tell you my story. Like I'm going to get into my story pretty quick and then I'll get to some scriptures after that just to let you know. Um, but first I want you to see, uh, this is when Jesus was about 30 years old came a pretty uh, important moment, and that is when he was inaugurated by the Father. Papa wanted the whole, you know, the entire region to know that he didn't want to leave anything to chance. He wanted everybody to know, this is my boy. This is the one that I love. This is my beloved son, the one in whom I am so pleased. It was an audible voice, what the scripture says. There aren't too many word, times when the scripture will say the audible voice of God spoke. This was one of them. This is my boy. And as you can see uh, in that picture, a little hard to see, but you got you know, the dove coming down in the form of light 
coming and, and anointing Jesus for the task for which the Father sent him. Now, what is so important to know here is that Jesus had not done a single thing in his earthly ministry the way you and I would attribute ministry. He didn't. We have no record of him yet healing anybody, anything like that. He didn't preach to the crowds yet. This was, this was pre-all of that. Why is this so important? Because the Father's pleasure is a, upon him simply because that's my boy, that's my son. And I want to tell every single one of you in this room, this is so important that you get this. We keep attaching our value and what God thinks of us to how much we're doing in life. How's that working for you? Not so good. And we get caught up in that trap. Even if we know better. Honestly, even when we know better, we still get into those days where we're feeling like, oh, I didn't, oh, I just rushed off. I didn't have my time with the Lord this morning. Oh, I just, wow, I just missed that opportunity to talk to somebody or I just walked right by someone when I could have ministered. Wow, I must, I must kind of be disappointing to God today. He says, actually, I have some different news for you. You rock. You're my beloved son. You're my my beloved daughter. Before you do a single thing, it doesn't matter what you do or you don't do. That is the gospel, by the way. This is the gospel message. This is the good news. That Jesus actually came to make really clear that you have a papa who adores you. I'll I'll go ahead and embarrass Aaron really quick because he's here. I wasn't going to tell this story, but my son Aaron's right. He's right here. This is my boy. (laughs) sorry I'm so proud of him for so many things I won't go on and on and on but I will say that that we learn more about the father's love when we had Derek and Aaron than any other any other event that could have happened in our lives and when we were holding them and and just like sobbing because they're so gorgeous beautiful amazing miracle and and little Aaron couldn't do one little thing for me. <laughs> Had nothing to do with it. Do you get that? Do you get that? This is how Papa feels about you every second of every day. It doesn't change. And I'm telling you, this one truth alone, this one truth will rock your world. It will change you unlike anything else can. So, there you go. There's Jesus. And uh, he's, he is living out for us what it looks like to be a son so that we know because the world really didn't get it yet we didn't know now here here is one of my favorite pictures in the world really really truly this is jesus showing us what it's like to be a son i i love i love looking at this just you, you know he's He's ga- yeah, he's gazing at the stars, but he's talking to his dad. He's saying, Dad, this was a tough one today. <laughs> I'm telling you, he had these conversations. You might think, he doesn't think those things. He's the Lord. Oh, yeah? Oh, no, he dealt with some really difficult people who, by the way, wanted to kill him, many of, many of whom wanted to kill him. Uh, how about perhaps this could have come after his cousin was brutally murdered, beheaded? That's, that's not such a great day. And I could just see him on this rock saying, Dad, that was a tough one. I'm, I'm going to keep going because there's no other option. But wow, Pop, that was tough. And remember, when you, if you hear Dad and Papa, remember Jesus said, Abba, Abba, Dada. That's what he told us to call Papa because we didn't know yet. Jesus had to model all this. Everyone was so distant from God, and that was never the plan. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? That was the plan. Intimacy. Let's talk. Let's do life together. And, and, and through history, we got so far apart. I mean, to the point where even the Israelites were saying, no, Moses, you go see God. We don't want to see him. We're scared. That was not the plan. He was not a scary dad. We just didn't, they just forgot who he was. Jesus came to remind us, this is who my dad is. This could have come absolutely at, how about, how about the, the day when, when he, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the people want to stone the adulterous woman, right? I, sometimes I think we don't 
Think about the humanness of Jesus. But I'm telling you, any one of us, Jesus had the same fight, flight, or fright thing in his system that we do. You know what I mean? The, the intensity of a situation that suddenly you're shaking. I'm just saying, we just think he was calm, cool, and collect. Do you know he's in the midst of a mob that wants to kill someone? Do you think that was easy? And I could just see him here afterwards going, whoa, Dad, that was, that was a little scary. And thank you so much for the wisdom when I needed it. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people think he wrote on the ground. But some say, and I, I kind of think that might be true, he was actually buying some time to say, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? This is a little beyond me. So I just love that this is a picture of him you know, um, all the nights, all the mornings that he got up so early while it was dark, the scripture says. You know why? Because he had to, because he couldn't, he couldn't bear not to be with his dad. And that's what fueled him. That and Holy Spirit who came upon him. Everything he did was fueled by the Holy Spirit and saturated and soaked in the love and the approval of the Father. That's how we went day after day after day. He had some tough days. And, and he showed us, this is the way I made it through. I want to share with you some of my own story. And then, like I said, we're going to get to, to a few scriptures. Um, some of you have uh, for sure heard, heard this part of the story before, but uh, God was even giving me some, some newer insight to this. But I'm going, to, I'm going to pick a time in history um, for us going back a ways when um, at the age of, tender age of 34, uh, we planted our first church. Uh, sometimes when I say it that way, I go, wow, I was really young. No wonder I made so many mistakes. <laughs> Sorry, any young people. It's just how you learn to do life. You know, you have to try things. So Susanna and I have been married about 10 years. Uh, Derek was five. Aaron was two. And we were planting a church. And let me tell you something. We, we had next to no money. We, uh, you know, we, anyway, we just went for it. We went for it because God made it super clear. Now, this is what's so amazing about this story, because I'm going to share some really hard stuff with you, hard times that I went through. But here's the thing, is that we know that we know that we know that we know we were following his voice and his call to start this church. In fact, I had a dramatic encounter, which I won't get into, in a movie theater uh, where God's Spirit came and made it abundantly clear we were to stay and we were to do this. We were not to go somewhere else. All right, we got the word of the Lord. This is going to rock. This is going to be amazing because this was the first time I had to... Um, to do my own church. I had, I had been an associate pastor in a more traditional church for seven years. It was a great experience, but I was ready for this. So I thought, I'm ready for this. Because we get a church where Holy Spirit ha- can be himself. People can, ha- can have the freedom to experience God, encounter him. We're going to have long times of worship. Can you imagine that? Like long worship. And, um, and uh, we're going to, you know, experience the gift of the Spirit. This is going to be great. And you know what? It was. It was great. We, people were encountering the Lord. We had, you know, at first we were in a living room for a while, for, gosh, a year. Um, and uh, it, it was good. It was good. People were touched. But, but what happened is over time is I, I joined up with a couple other guys, a couple other pastors, and, and the three of us, we were all, I will say this, we are wonderful people because we are made in the image of God. We each have an amazing vision. We have some things we want to do. Let's do it together. It was awesome for a while. It was awesome. But the problem was is that um, we really didn't decide ahead of time who was in charge. And we had people with different visions. And, again, nothing wrong with that except that it was just a bit confusing after a while. And then it just got really hard. And, um, and so the first two years of this church plant, they were really good. The next two years were really hard. They were, in fact, I I would have to say the hardest two years of my life when I look back. I I didn't know that in the middle of it. Sometimes we, when we have that thing that just pushes through and I can do this 
and it's hard, but you just keep going one day at a time. You don't even know how much, how, how worn down you're getting. It was hard. It was very hard. And, and what happened after a while is that people started leaving the church, um, you know, trickling and then kind of in droves and, you know, it's thinning out a lot. And it's, it's like, it's like a mom and a dad who, you know, we're not going to argue in front of the kids, but you know, the kids are feeling all of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. The kids were feeling it. We weren't saying anything because we were trying to honor each other, but everyone was realizing there's something wrong here. The spirit, it's, it's going sideways here. And, um, we went on retreats together to try to figure this thing out, like who's, you know, who's going to lead, what's this going to look like. We fasted together. I wanna, I'm telling you these things because we genuinely loved each other. You know, this, this leadership, there were three pastors and our wives. We really did love each other. We wanted to work this thing out. But the more difficult, the, more, the harder it got, and the more we saw people leave, we were all feeling a dagger, you know, with all, all of the, the, the people exiting and, and what is going on, and we can't work this out. And then it started getting really hard towards the end of those last two years. Um, it, we were trying to find answers, and we didn't have any. We, um, people were leaving. We were getting hurt. We were hurting people. Didn't know it too much at the time. A lot of times you don't know when you're hurting people, especially when you have a lot of growing up to do. Um, people, you know, accusations start flying. Um, and And... And, and God had given me a dream, actually, while I was up at Bethel Church in Reading. And in the dream, I won't go and give you the long version, but the short version is that he showed me I had a, a, a platter, a golden platter with my inheritance on it. That sounds really good, right? And um, so I kind of hung on to that because that was still during this really, really hard time. But but um, what happened is is... is um, there came a point at which I was just breaking. I couldn't do this anymore. And I, I remember one particular day, I, I just started crying out to God. And, and, I, and by the way, this is just such a good thing to do. The, the more the difficult place you're in, the more you need to be real and cry out to God. Just go ahead and have a, you know, a slobbering, messy time with him. It's so healthy. Don't feel like you've got to get your act together and, you know, oh, Lord... Thou art good. What is, what is arst? <laughs> you know, it's King Jamesist. Okay, just have it out with him. Be you, God. And I, you know what? You know what broke me is because I thought back to that dream. In the med, in the midst of the mess of what was left of our church. This great church plant that was going to change the world. By the way, we were going to have revival. We were going to. I had, I had it all figured out, you know. Millions were going to come streaming to our church. I, I knew it. So anyway, in the midst of this mess, I, God reminds me of this dream. And uh, I said, God, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't even know how that's true because this is a mess. And I started, I just started sobbing. And I just, I, I, I sobbed, like, shoulder-heaving sobs for 45 minutes straight. And it was f- the first time I was grieving the loss of the dream. And I was grieving all the people that got hurt and how much we got hurt and how much we hurt the people and all the things I never thought I would do. We're just going to have a church. We're starting a church, for heaven's sake, so it's going to be great. Oh, my goodness, the pain. And, you know, the worst part was... Um, well, let me finish this part of the story. So God brings me to that dream, and I have this long, sobbing cry with him. And at the end of the dream, I saw a, a, a vision with a bird in a birdcage, and the door was wide open, and he said, you're free to fly. And that was the first time in two years. I Believe me, I would have left a long time earlier <laughs> if I felt like I could have. But then there was also the thing, I can't leave. I'm a pastor. I'm people's pastor. I'm their shepherd. I can't go. When he said that, then I finally had the release. I talked to the other two guys and said, I bless you to keep going with the church. I just, I, I'm going to step out. And I'm gonna, I want to tell you, that, that was the point right there of, of feeling like a, a pretty big failure, of leaving the very thing that I started, because I was the one that started this church, and I left it. 
Because, you know why? Because I was so stuck. I didn't know what else to do. But I knew I couldn't go unless the Lord told me. And, and uh, that's what it was. I was, I was, I was stuck. I, in those next few weeks, I, I just realized how um, disillusioned I was. Um, I was certain that I was a great disappointment to God. I was sure of it. And, and really, I was feeling like a mess and saying, well, God, I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to pick up the pieces of this one. I think I'm a pastor still because it's kind of who I am. But I sure, I sure as heck don't know what to do with it right now. And, you know, when you get reduced to nothing <laughs> in life, when your dreams are shattered and, and all you have left is the Lord, um, actually, it's one of the best places you can be. It just doesn't feel like it at the time. But the reality is, the Lord's all we ever have. <laughs> Sometimes we just have an illusion that we've got, that, there's, that it's all about us and it's not. I promise you this. It's not. It is, it is so about Jesus. Yes, we get to partner with him. Yes, you know, our yes is important. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this is all his deal. And when he says he uses everything for his good, he means everything. So I was in this place of, of uh, disillusionment. All, uh, God, I don't... I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, and in this place, God began to tenderize my heart. And he began to love on me. And I would, we had, you know, days turned into weeks, turned into a few months where I was spending a lot of time walking with God through gardens, through wherever I could find him. I just, I didn't have a job. <laughs> didn't have to go to work for a while. That was a, actually a real big gift. I have, I look back on this and I have no idea how that's even possible. You know what I mean? Like, how did that even work financially? I don't know, but somehow it did. I mean, God was all over it. Suzanne was helping us. She was working. Right here, baby. Somebody's got us covered. thought it was Jesus. It was Jesus and Suzanne. Suzanne and I have a lot of fun in life. We really do. So my honey was helping me through, (laughs) which gave me time to wander through parks. (laughs) See, this is that tender crying moment right now. (laughs) Oh, my. This is so good. I just, I would cry out of my heart and say, God, did I blow it? You know, I blew it. And he would say, shh, I love you. Just come here. You're my boy. I would say, yeah, but God, I was a pastor, and I think I just left the sheep. I don't know. What did I, I don't know. He's like, shh, come here. You're my boy. Let's get one thing straight. I love you the same now as, as I did before. Nothing has changed. I love you today. I love you tomorrow. Son, let's go deep on this one because you're going to get it this time. And along the way, I, I want to say this because it's hard to explain a process. We all want, we all want that instantaneous wow moment, you know? And, and sometimes they come a little bit. You know, they do. And you still have to walk through life. You still have to do life. It doesn't suddenly change everything, Right? But that process of tenderizing my heart, of just crying my eyes out, of hearing him basically win me over with his love. He's like, I'm stronger than you are. I'm, t- you know, I'm going to win you out with my love. And he did. And along the way, I started to believe him. See, he starts wearing you down a little bit, but at some point, you actually start to believe him. And then it starts changing your self-talk. And it start, it's, and and your out loud talk. How how are you speaking about yourself? And after a while, as he was restoring my heart, that's when I began to say, "Daddy, you love me." I never called him daddy before that, but we we got into this really intimate place. 
And uh, many of you know that was the title of my first book before it was retitled, Daddy, You Love Me. And I would say it like I meant it. And, and, and I remember, especially when I was in, um, where was I? Toronto, going through some parks. And I, I just remember it was raining some, which was so great because nobody else was in the parks. It was just me and Daddy. And I would say these things, and I'm just, you know, tears are just flowing down my cheek. Uh, Daddy, you love me. I'm your boy. I'm the one that you, that you, that you, I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite. Did you know you're his favorite? I know I heard at least 10 people say yes. At least 10. You are. You are daddy's favorite. But here's the key. You don't get to experience the benefits of being his favorite unless you actually believe it. You are his favorite. That's just the way it is. But something changes when you actually start believing the truth. It's like he blesses you regardless, but suddenly your eyes are turned. You see things different. You catch all the blessings. They're the kisses from heaven, Papa's kisses over you. You see it differently. And that's what started happening in the midst of these months of, of, of getting restored. And in that time, God was, he was, don't get me wrong, he was teaching me stuff. You know, as a father, it isn't, you know, my sons, I, I, I loved on him so much. I mean, Aaron will never know how many times I kissed him before he you know, was old enough to even remember. But, but also we instruct our children, and we're trying to help them through life, right? So my, my daddy was instructing me. There's no question. He was dealing with some deep heart issue stuff. And some of that was, son, son here's, here's what, here was your biggest problem is you were trying to find your identity in being a pastor. That's a problem. And I want to tell you, can I just, just some sympathy for pastors is that that's where a lot of them are stuck. Because as long as that's where they're going to find their identity, and this is true of any of you, by the way, with your, with your occupations. If that's where you find your identity, that, that identity is going to go up and down all the time. For a pastor, how many people show up? What's the offering? I can tell you all these things that pastors make them go like this and this all the time. And, and Jesus... Papa, Jesus, Holy Spirit says to me, we're not going to do that anymore. Your identity is in one thing. You're my, you're my son. And, and I can honestly tell you, when we started Blazing Fire, which was several months after, the other, after I left the other church, again, started in a home. We started all over again. We said, this time we're not in any hurry, for starters. We're not going to try to grow this expansive church. We're going to enjoy God together. We're going to take our time. But I'm going to do this as a son. I'm going to do this as a son. And uh, he, he told me a lot of other things as well. He said, he said you're, not going to try to, you're not going to try to build a church. He said, I already built my church. You're going to, you're going to build my kingdom. And I'm telling you, that changes everything. That changes how you do everything. So there were a lot, a lot of lessons like that I had to learn. I had to learn even how to love people so much better. But as I've told you so many times in here, you cannot love people well until, until you receive the Father's love well. Because that's your resource. That's where it comes from. And I'll tell you another piece of this thing is you really got to learn to love yourself well. It's not really my message tonight, so I'm not going to go there. But I'm saying that I had a lot of growing up to do, a lot of learning to do. And... and um, So, I'm explaining all this to you. Um, would you come on up, Todd? Uh, we're going to do a little bit of ministry before I finish off with some scriptures. But I'm explaining this to you um, because this isn't just my papa, my daddy for me. This is our papa, our daddy for each one of, uh, each one of you. It, he, doesn't, he doesn't play favorites I just said you're all his favorite, which is true. If you're all his favorite, then you get it, right? He doesn't play favorites one person over another, right? So in other words, he didn't just say, well, Brent, that was so brave of you to actually start a church, and you've been a pastor for this many years, so this is how I'm going to bless you. No, he just blesses me because I'm his son, right? And he's going to bless you because you are his son and you are his daughter. So I want to just speak over you um, right now. As I do, Todd's going to play a little bit of music, but I, I want to just say this, that before I pray over you, that there came a time in my life, a couple years later, it was actually a couple years later, 
many years later. Because that, that experience wounded me for a while. It cut my heart for a while. And as long as we keep ourselves um, soft before the Lord, that crushing is going to turn into sweetness. It will. But it, t- it takes a while. It's a process. And he knows that. You don't have to just get over it instantly. He's like, I'm going to love you through it. You turn that down a little bit. Um, and so he's going to love you through it. So for me, several years later, in fact, interestingly, I was on a, a hike with, with Aaron, with some of his classmates on, on a retreat they were at. And while I was hiking up in the mountains, God suddenly captured my heart in that moment, in one moment. And he said, Brent, I want you to thank me for everything that happened. Because you would not be where you are if that hadn't happened. And of course, now I was already living in the midst of blazing fire several years later. And he said, I want you to thank me for it. And I did. Again, I'm just crying and I start thanking him for it. There, there, there will come a time, even the hardest things, where he's going to show you his goodness in the midst of it. As only he can. But let me pray over each one of your hearts right now. Oh, Papa, thank you for, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your tenderness, God. Papa, you know everything about every child in this room. You know, Lord, what every single one is going through. You know, God, the ways in which, in which each person in here has regrets, is living in, in, uh, with certain things in their hearts that are just weighing them down. And some of them are going through a really tough time, just like I explained, feeling like a failure, feeling disillusioned, feeling stuck. And Papa, there's only one place to turn. There's only one way, way to go. And that's to, and that's to run into your arms. Jesus, you paid the price for us to run into Papa's arms. That's what the scriptures tell us. Any time that there is never again any shame, there is never again any condemnation. It doesn't exist. Jesus, you you wiped that clean. And so, Father, here we are, your kids. And I I thank you, Father, that you are you are, are cradling, holding each one. You're loving on each one. And in the midst of our feeling like failures, you say the same thing that you said to me. You say to them, shh, shh, my child, just just come in deeper to my heart. It's going to be okay. I know what I'm doing. Just let me love on you. Because my love is, is the most powerful. It's the most powerful force that you'll ever know. And my love is the thing that transforms you. So just let me love you. There's nothing in between us. There's no walls. Even if you think you put up walls to hold out my love, do you know where I am? (laughs) I'm on the inside of that wall. You can't wall me out. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And my heart beats for you every second of every day. It doesn't change. My son, my daughter, receive my love. Just say yes. Just say yes to my advances because that's what this is. (laughs) It's my advances. I chose you first, remember? I wanted you long before you knew to want me back. And my heart for you will never, ever change. There's nothing you can do to change this. You're mine. And you've always been mine. So I, as your father who loves you, I am declaring this is a new season for you when you will encounter, right now you are encountering, and you will encounter depths of my love that you never even dreamed were possible. No matter how deep you've gone, there is always more. My love, it comes like a tsunami. And it's going to knock anything out of the way that's in the way. My love has to have you. And my love is going to move through you 
to a world that is so hungry for my love. That's what's coming. My children, that's what's coming. My love is going to win the day. You watch. It's already happening around the world, but you watch. It's only going to increase. And those that want to make you fight and want to make you judge, don't do it. Just don't do it. Choose love because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how. I'm going to show you how. And first, don't you be too concerned about that world. I, I got this one written out. It's coming. My love is coming in such a degree that it's going to wow the hearts of my children across the earth. But right now, you have one job. If you want a job, here it is. Let me love you. Just say right now, I'm your son or I'm your daughter. Just tell him. Tell me, tell me right now, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. And daddy, you love me. Just tell me that. Daddy, you love me. I'm yours. Papa, you love me. I'm your favorite one. Holy Spirit, take it deep. Take us deep into Papa's affection. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. Go ahead and stay in this place, and and I'm just going to show you some pretty amazing scriptures. Um, Because you may be wondering, you know, well, did Jesus ever feel stuck? Did he ever where God was? You know, wonder, did he in his humanness wonder where God was in the midst of his suffering? You betcha. Here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there a way that we could do this some other way? Is there a way I, I, this, this cup can pass for me? He was, he was an obedient son. He knew what he had come for, but he was real. You don't have to have your act together all the time. You don't have to be the strong one. In fact, he's not looking for that from you. You get to be where you're at. Just bring him into it. That's, that's it. Just bring him into it can't do this one without you. Check out this scripture in Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. While he lived on the earth, anticipating death, Jesus cried out in a pain and wept in sorrow as he offered up prayers to God. Because he honored God, God answered him. Oh, he was God's son. He learned trusting obedience by what he suffered. By what he suffered. Just as we do. Isn't that interesting? You know, we want to bypass the suffering. Anyone here volunteer? You know, Lord, could I have more suffering? No, that wouldn't be a good prayer. Please don't pray that. But I'm also saying there's purpose in it. And he knows what he's doing. And he loves you. And it's in the midst of the hardest times. I'm telling you, that's when you're going to see the God the most. If not, if it's not obvious to you, it will be. He'll make it so. He'll make it really obvious to you. Here's Hebrews 2.10. It's the beauty of God, the Father. That's talking about Papa here who created all things for his glory to make the pioneer, that's Jesus, the pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings. For this is how Jesus brings God's many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Isn't that fascinating? Are you getting this? Jesus was, is teaching us how to be a son or a daughter. A son or a daughter doesn't mean 
Well, God, if you'd really loved me, I would not have any hard things in life. Nobody would misunderstand me. I wouldn't have to go through, you know, the garbage, the stuff. No, Jesus lived it out for us and said, that's actually not what it means to be a son or daughter. What it means is, is as you stay connected to him and you learn his heart for you in the midst of the hard stuff, you're going to come out the other side sharing in his glory. And I want to tell you, this is, so often we, when we read words like glory, we think of everything as coming, meaning the day Jesus returns to the earth or when we're in heaven. No, you're actually, as you trust the Lord in the midst of your sufferings, in the midst of the trials, you share more and more of his glory. In other words, his light shines through you more. His love shines through you more. If you want to ask me, Brent, how did you actually have the capacity? Where'd you learn to love? I will tell you, I learned it most in the hard places with the Lord. That's where I learned it the most. And I came out a different person. And that's what he's doing with you because he loves you, because he's committed to you, because you're his son, his daughter. There isn't anything he wouldn't do for you. But a lot of times we look at our circumstances and we say, well, God, if you really love me. See, we have no idea. We have no idea how much he loves, how much he's committed to us. Here's another one. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fire trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Are you seeing a theme here? And it is tied into being his son or his daughter. Hebrews 12, 2. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto who? Onto Jesus. Remember, Jesus is God personified. God who people did not have a grasp of. Jesus came and said, let me live him out for you. So we fix our gaze. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was filled with the joy of knowing that you would be his. Do you see that? The joy of knowing you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. That's enough scripture. I just wanted you to see it kind of over and over and over and see there is, this is laced all through scripture. Papa loves you. And as your son, as, as his son, as his daughter, just because you have hard things going on does not for one minute mean his love has left you. He's crazy about you. He's working all things for your good. He's brilliant. He's working overtime all the time on your behalf because it's uh, you know what I do have more scripture (laughs) let me just read it because it's so good because this is really tying it all back into sons and daughters it was always in the father's perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus the anointed one so that his tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Come on. The same love the Father has for Jesus. The very same love. This is my beloved son. This is the one in whom I'm well pleased. He says that over you. Can you say that? Can you say that with me? That the same love the Father has for Jesus, he has for me. Yeah, put, put your hand on your heart if you would on this one. Close your eyes if you want to. This, Father, the same love you have for Jesus. 
you have for me. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yep, we got one more. First John 3, 1. Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He calls us children of God. It's true. We are His beloved children. Say it with me. Consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. He calls us children of God. It's true. We are His beloved children. We are, we are, we are. Since it's Valentine's Day, we'll put that one up. I know a lot of you have seen that on the internet. You know, sometimes we see something a bunch and we go, oh yeah, we've seen that one. Yeah. Once you do that, you've totally forgotten what it's all about. You have forgotten you are his Valentine. He's crazy in love with you. So I want to end this time right now with, with praying for you one more time. And here's, here's why. Because you can't do this alone. And you were never meant to. You can't even get the Father's love by yourself. That's why he's given you his spirit. Holy Spirit who lives in you. The very spirit of Christ. And don't let this confuse you. Like, well, which one is it? Yep. The answer is yep. They're all one. They have the same heart. They're all for you. Definitely three different you know, persons, expressions. But believe me, you're not going to like make one of them jealous or upset if you talk to someone else. So, but Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift. You know that? A gift. You can't do this without him. Ask for his help all the time. When, I, to me, I put that tag on it on so many prayers. Holy Spirit, help me. <laughs> help me do this. I prayed it again before I got up here and preached. I said, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I don't, have, I don't have any ability to touch hearts unless you do this. I can't. So let's pray right now for the, whole, for, for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come. Sweet Holy Spirit, we give you permission. We give you permission to saturate our hearts with the Father's love. We need you. Just, just tell Holy Spirit, tell him, I, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need your help. Holy Spirit, there's only one way in which 2017 is going to be a breakthrough year, which it is going to be, and that is because you are going to help us to break through. You're going to bring the truth. You're going to bring the life. You're going to bring the love. Holy Spirit, be more real to us than we've ever known you before. Spirit of truth. Spirit of love wind of the Spirit. Gushing spring of life, Holy Spirit. (laughs) We need you. Just tell them again, I need you. I want you. We need your gushing water of life to saturate our hearts. We need you. We can't do this without you. I truly feel the Holy Spirit brooding and um, wanting to just penetrate and saturate us. And oh, sorry, I our, our hearts just to saturate our hearts. Um, tonight, I brought I brought my book, Always Loved, and the the devotionals that go with it. This is not an advertisement. This is to say. If you've not read that book and you want to break through with the Father's love, it, it has helped tens of thousands of people around the world to do that. It's hard since I'm the author. It sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not. It's the Holy Spirit. He just moves through that book and people experience him. And so if you, um, or if you already have read it and you haven't read the devotional, it'll just take it deeper. 
And so if you tonight you're saying, I want this breakthrough, I, I want this. If you're if you're able to pay for it, wonderful. It's actually a, it's actually kind of helps it blesses the church is what it does. The church gets a you know blessing out of it. But if you can't just or you can afford some of it, Suzanne's gonna be over there. That to me is far more important is that is that you have it in your hands, but choose to, to use it. You know what I mean? Like actually open it and read it and let God begin to saturate your heart. The other thing we it is it's a little past eight thirty, so uh, parents you need to get your kids. I wanted to ask if could I have some of the prayer team and leaders up? I want I want specifically tonight. I want to bless people specifically who want a deeper touch, more of the Holy Spirit. Like if you're saying I don't even know who Holy Spirit is, what are you talking about? Come get prayer. Let us bless you. Um, yeah, some leaders, come on up. Some of the leaders, prayer teams, uh, overseers, next gen team, anyone who just would like to bless people tonight. There is a sweet spirit right now going on. There's something brooding. And, I, and I'm declaring before we pray up here, I'm declaring over you once again, this is that breakthrough year. If you've been disillusioned because, well, I heard that in 2016, I heard that in 2015. Can I tell you every leader I have talked to, it, I'll just tell you about my own heart. This is different. This is a different time we're living in. And people are seeing it and they're already seeing the breakthroughs and it's only in the middle of February. I'm telling you. So if you've been disillusioned, if you need that breakthrough, if you want a deeper touch of the Father's love, if you want deeper deeper expression of the Holy Spirit through your life to know Jesus more, just come get prayer. If you need healing, that's awesome too. Anything. But I just feel God brooding right now. So thank you, Father. Thanks so much for the tenderness of your heart tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord that we are your beloved children and that nothing will change that. Amen. Amen and amen. So if you haven't got your children, please do. And if you want prayer, come on up this way.